Hello everyone, this is Xander Broffel, Director of Marketing Operations with CS2 Marketing. This is the Forward Thinking Podcast. Today, I am being joined by our special guest, Chrissy. Chrissy, how are you doing today? Good. Is everyone tired of hearing about me as the special guest or until until this baby comes? I'm just going to be the special guest. I like that. Exactly. We'll get <laughs> we'll get plenty of Chrissy before the baby comes and then we're going to miss you for for so long. I know. I know. I'll have we'll ha to like do a special with with a newborn. Yes. I'm sure there's a lot of parallels with uh I can tap into for a podcast episode. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that topic. Parallels between newborns and new marketing automation platforms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Um, so Chrissy, today we are going to be talking about communication orchestration, uh, especially as it pertains to technology, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people are getting a lot more tools to help facilitate uh, communicating with our end users. Um, it, you've got marketing automation, you have sales engagement platforms, the product sending out messaging, you have chat platforms, customer success is doing mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff. And, you know, gone are the days of just managing your marketing automation platform as a marketing ops professional. You have to be thinking about how all of these tools are working together. Otherwise, you risk overwhelming all of your buyers and overwhelming your customers with too much information or conflicting information. Um, and it can just be a lot. Um, so today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about how uh, people can go about uh, improving their setup and improving their administration. So that way they're looking at all of these tools in a holistic manner, manner and not working within a silo. Yep. I love it. Let's get into it. I'm into it. Um, so Chrissy, just in case if we don't know already, you know, what is communication orchestration? Yeah. Yeah, or so we tried to come up with a term for this, and I feel like communication orchestration was the best thing because um, when it comes to uh, you know how we're communicating to our prospects and customers, there's different channels, right? There's email, there's phone, there's SMS, there's social media messages. Um, for the most part, the most common ones are email and phone, right? When we think about uh, the ways that we communicate, marketing's usually sending out emails, sales is probably also sending out email, um, but also calling. And so there's a strong reliance on, on, on that channel. But there's also, like you mentioned, just so many other channels that you can communicate with the prospect or customer. And to them, they see that as all just one experience. Like, how is this, you know, company communicating with me? Um, and so really when we think about it, I think a lot of people think about these channels like very singularly, they think about them as like one team sending them. And oftentimes with that way of thinking, you're missing out the, you know, really holistic view, like you mentioned of like, what actually is happening? Like, how is this prospect or customer actually being communicated as a whole? Um, I think you and I probably have, you know, common examples, but I've, I've had ones where I'm a customer and I'm receiving, you know, emails from a salesperson, but at the same time I'm added to some nurture and then the product is, is telling me messages. And, um, sometimes I've even, you know, received like a social message thinking that like, I'm not even engaged with the company. And so, um, 
that's just the example of like the communications, but the orchestration of it all together is really how that, you know, user or how that experience, you know, plays with each other, like almost doing kind of like a air traffic controlling of it. That's good orchestration, yeah. <laughs> bad orchestration. Like you can imagine like a symphony is when one is outshining the other. They're just not working together. It's not creating this like perfect, you know, song or experience. Like I would say for the prospect, it's really, you know, just crappy. <laughs> and that right. can happen very easily. There's a big difference between going to a professional symphony and going to a seventh grade <laughs> orchestra. And sometimes you can think about that as it pertains to this orchestration as well, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some seventh grade or orchestras that are good out there. But yeah, for the for the most part, uh, <laughs> there's, you know, a trombone that needs a little bit of, a little uh, bit of tuning, tuning or something, you know. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, that's fantastic. I, I, I would agree. And, you know, our buyers and our customers, they don't, they don't think about this is organization A's marketing team versus the sales team. It's just organization A, right? And right. when you get frustrated by communication, they're not getting frustrated with an individual team. They're getting frustrated with the brand. Um, totally. And it's just such a great aspect for us to be able to focus on to improve that customer experience, which we've been talking about a little bit in previous podcasts. So, mm -hmm. so <clears throat> Why is it important? We kind of alluded mm -hmm. to, you know, why it can be problematic, but why is it important and what's happening now when it's not being orchestrated super well? Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but I think a, a big part of like revenue growth and where we focus our projects on, like as operators is around the customer experience. And when you think about communication, uh, orchestration, that's a huge part of the customer experience. If anything, it, it, it like is the customer experience, you know, like yeah, that in besides, besides them doing their own research on your website and, and things like that. Yes. That's part of the experience as well, or campaigns, but like even the, the communication that you even run from campaigns is part of that orchestration. And so it is a huge part of the customer journey. So if there's one place that you really want to focus and, and make sure it's, you know, on point it, it is this because like it can be a, a differentiator um, as we talked about before, but a good customer experience can be the difference between winning and losing a deal because you're just like, well, if I'm being, you know, handled this way as a prospect, What's it going to be like when I'm a customer or a customer who's like, I can't like I'm I don't know anything that's really going on within the product or I'm not getting communicated as a customer the right way. And I no one reaches out to me until like my deal, you know, my renewal is about to come up. You know, that's that's a poor experience, too. But um, that that can also uh, impact your revenue. So, I mean, number one, you can tie this literally back to your customer experience. And so that's why it's important. And then I think why it's important for operators to focus on it now, uh, I think you definitely alluded to it, but it's, it's just gotten more complicated. And the reason why it's gotten more complicated is because there's just, you know, more channels for it, more platforms, more just like 
avenues for communicating to a prospect or customer. And I think a lot of the time those teams are still pretty siloed. So like the marketing sales and customer product team are not always aligned on like how they want to communicate to a prospect, how they even are. They are given their own goals and then they execute against it. And a lot of the time those communi- that communication or those channels are part of that strategy, but they're not thinking about, okay, well, how does this all kind of play with each other? So a salesperson will potentially just, you know, reach out to a bunch of prospects and add them to an outreach sequence or Groove or, you know, Sales Loft. And um, while at the same time, marketing's adding them to campaigns and a nurture stream. And then maybe they, you know, the SDR did reach out because they signed up for a free trial. Well, now they're in like a a free trial kind of <laughs> uh, email cadence or they're receiving messages like every day from the product in like an inbox there or something, which, which happens, you know. Um, and so it just um, it kind of becomes a bit confusing to the prospect. Also, I think it can it can seem like you're over communicating to a prospect or customer, um, or sometimes even like under communicating because no one's aligned on like, well, are we even missing? any communication lines, like, because it's just not getting to the customer prospect when it needs to, um, or there's assumptions that it's happening, um, which, which also happens too. Um, so I think because of this, it really kind of needs alignment, needs ownership, um, because, you know, we could be sending out duplicative messages, um, which, is probably the one that looks the worst, I would say. Like if you're someone who is getting like similar messages from like three different people and places and stuff like that, like that becomes annoying as a prospector. Um, And then it becomes very confusing because sometimes also those messages conflict with each other. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's equally bad when it's when it's duplicative or when it is contradictory of each other. Either way, <laughs> yeah. you know that it's not being communicated internally effectively. And and it's just that's that's a chip on the block, right? Yeah. Um I I can't help but think too like it's as much about timing and channels as it is about message. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, what we're talking about here, it sounds very, very much like single product, single message. It can be confusing. Now add on top of that, I have two products that I'm selling, or I have two different verticals that I'm selling into with different messaging and it can go even more haywire. Um, And you need kind of all of those underlying processes in place to make that type of stuff really work. Totally. I think it's like underestimated, to be honest, Um, uh, especially when you have like different product lines, like you mentioned, or different paths that like are journeys that you can go down. I know we've talked about in the past, um, you know, the things to look out for when adopting PLG when you're sales led, like some of that, you see those conflictions just there, like you think that you have someone flagged as someone who is on a sales-led path and they're receiving those messages and then they'll get another path with being in your product and and there's no like real kind of, you know, 
handoff, I would say, or path to like kind of process that and, and, and change it. So it does require a lot of insight into what is happening. And, and I don't think that companies should go like too overboard and complicating things, but I think at least at the start aligning on like how you're communicating, reaching out to prospects and customers, what are kind of like your evergreen kind of like, like streams and channels of which you're doing that. And then who owns the, like the tools and the channels for, for sending that out? Because I think in some cases you need to be aligned whenever you want to add on to this. Right. But I think a lot of time, like teams will usually like pass off ownership of those tools um, or like the, the governance is not high. And then I think right now, and I'm assuming I, I get spam like crazy right now. It like, <laughs> so I think that email channel is being, you see this when times are tough, right? Like free channels are just abused like crazy. Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I think a lot of marketing or sales teams think of those channels as free. But what I say free is not, there's no such thing as free for anything <laughs> good. Like there's going to be a cost associated and that uh, the, the downfall of that is like, you are probably pissing off your prospects. Um, and like just an overabundance or over like a uh, use of certain channels um, doesn't mean more like more is not more <laughs> it's about no. communicating a way that's really helpful to your prospect and customer and that makes sense um so at the same time i think what we're likely gonna see even more is less governance more of a reliance on certain communication channels and then with everyone like turning over and leaving, it probably means that there's wanting to pass off ownership. And so what that means is like no one's owning it <laughs> a lot of the time because everyone's going to like hot potato it. And you see this a lot with like sales engagement platforms because it's being used for a certain purpose and goal. But when it comes to governance and like how you're actually using it, and there's a lot of leeway you can give teams to use it, you can use it almost like a marketing automation platform, um, that it will be done. And we see this happen a lot and, and that's what leads to like even worse, you know, communication orchestration. Yeah. I, I feel like as these orchestration tools have matured, the marketing and the sales actual messaging has gotten worse. You know, mm -hmm. as, as as somebody who's receiving the emails, like you know that it's a robot, and it just it, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work well, right? But yeah. you're putting in as much effort as possible to convert these valuable people that get into your funnel, right? And we mm -hmm. always think very internally when it comes to a funnel, but we're not thinking externally of like what is that buyer's experience right now? Mm -hmm. And you know, I've had conversations with people in the past where they're like, "Well, who cares if they unsubscribe?" And I'm like, "Who cares?" Like you just lost yeah. the ability to directly market and sell to this individual because they said the dollar's up and I'm not going to spend my money with you anymore in terms of my inbox space. And that's where that, that free channel is no longer free. Totally. And I think I, I can never tell if I'm just biased because I'm a marketer, but like 
bad marketing to me just like really like will just lose my trust like instantly. I'm pretty forgiving though. Like if someone makes a mistake and uses their wrong token and blah, 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 like whatever, that's fine. But I'll, I'll be forgiving. But like when I'm just being like over communicated to, I'm being spammed off the bat. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a customer and then I'm like receiving like emails about like net new product stuff like that to me, I'll just be like, you know, if they don't have that together, then why am I going to give my money to this company? Like what, how am I actually going to be treated? And so sometimes you figure that out once you're a customer and you're like, oh, great. Like, but (laughs) (laughs) as a prospect, um, it, it really does leave a lasting impression. And I don't think I'm, it's only marketers that are sensitive to that. If any, if anything, prospects who aren't marketers might not have the, the, the sympathy to know like how challenging it is to do. Um, people just think, oh, you know, in this day and age, there's automation for that, right? There's, (laughs) you know, they should know who I am. They should know everything about me. Like, uh, uh, but really we know that that can be a different story. Yeah, that's more difficult than you think that it is for sure. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to tackle this problem, like what would you recommend? Where where should I start? Where should I start to try and tackle this orchestration problem? Yeah, I think first up, because yeah, this this seems overwhelming, right? Like I, I, I if someone's listening, they're like, oh, how do I, where do I start? Um, and it and can like, be, and that's a-okay, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And don't shy away from things that are overwhelming. Like, I think it's good to, to know that, like, if this is a big initiative, like it, 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 it feels big because it is big and it's important. So it's like starting with a plan. So I think the first thing, especially if you're just one team and it may, maybe you only um, own two of those channels, right? You own the market automation platform and you own the CRM. You should probably be working with other teams that work, you know, use those other channels, but at least you could start the project yourself. And the first thing to do is just document what's happening today. So these tools will, you know, let you see that, you know, a lot of the time. So you document like, okay, what are some of the most actively used sequences? How are they set up? Um, Run a report of like activities sent from the sales team. How often are those being done? Um, and then on the marketing side, do the same thing. Um, one, one place that I, if, if it's a lot, I would say start with like your inbound chat, like an inbound lead. What happens to them when they come through? Cause those are your, your most like valuable prospects. So someone who comes through your website, you know, do a little secret shopping if you can, or look at what's happened recently for a few of those, um, a few of those leads and document, start to say, okay, how many emails have they received? Um, what you can also see activities being logged, like straight from like Marketo and HubSpot a lot of the time, cause it's logging mm-hmm. those activities. And so you can see that all happening in a timeline, like start there. That's a good documentation place. Um, and then see like, you know, are there overlaps, you know, what's also happening like that you don't see there potentially within the product. Maybe you need to have a conversation with, um, or customer success or, or, or something like that, you know, with those teams. But I think first starting with your inbound like channel is a good place to start and then seeing where there's overlap. Or if you do have like a very high converting channel, so say you do run a product led motion, 
we've actually done this for our clients before, but that's where like a, a ton of orchestration is, is, is usually needed and it's actually less or- orchestration. So we actually did an audit and worked with a client one time at CS2 where they had like a freemium trial. But these people could also be people who could purchase, you know, the regular product. And so what we saw is we started to document, okay, this is what's happening. And we started to map out like on on one side um, of the, the access we had a path for what platform is sending out these emails. And then we had on the horizontal, like what's the cadence or how many messages were sent over time um, from those channels or those teams. And we saw there was so much overlap, like they were added to a nurture. They were added also to a, um, you know, get started stream uh, just for the trial. They then went into an outreach sequence. I got a ton of emails from the implementation team. They also were being sent a weekly webinar about how to use their trial, like invite. And so until they registered for that, they just kept on getting invited to it. Um, And then they also had like a success team reaching out to them at some point. Uh, throughout the journey once they hit a certain milestone and then that added on but sometimes also conflicted with other messages so we actually once we documented that we then assessed okay well what could be trimmed down what could be turned off what conflicts with each other and then can we actually define just milestones for when this communication can happen instead of them all just triggering at the same time Uh, but having that documentation is what led that conversation um, and it was just that specific source, but it was a really high converting and important kind of, um, source of leads for them. And so I do suggest maybe if you feel like it's too overwhelming, start with that, start with that first and then figure out how you can then, um, build a plan, you know, to, um, beyond that. And so when, <laughs> so I talked about the first one is documentation, Um, the second I would say, and what happens around the same time is like aligning the teams and assign ownership of the orchestration. So if you're doing a, at the same time, you want to kind of make the case for why these teams should, you know, be invested in this. And that's usually like sales, marketing, customer success, um, and see like if there can be some ownership of that platform and channel when it comes to the orchestration Um, So like if anything new needs to be added, that they're communicating back to the team um, and really kind of like maintaining that governance there. That's fantastic. I mean, having, as you say, visualizing it is so key for people. You know, don't let Mm -hmm. this be a spreadsheet. Like a spreadsheet doesn't hit the same way as spelling something out in a flow chart where everybody like you could show that to a CFO or a CEO or a CMO and they both and everybody at the same time is going to go, Oh, wow. I, I understand what the problem statement is now. Um, so, so having that, I, I, I remember that visual that you're talking about Mm -hmm. it. it, I mean, it registered with me personally because I'm like, Oh, this is such a, this is such a useful exercise for anybody to go through and then pulling in the right teams, because now that starts to get, the head of the SDR team thinking about it and saying, oh, I am sending out a lot of messages through my sales engagement platform. Um, 
you know, bringing in the customer team because that 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 chart that you're putting together might be a first time prospect, but you have the same problem statement for the first time that your customer closes their first deal or mm. right after their first renewal or at any point. Right. So you can really start to think about what are these journeys at those big milestones mm-hmm. and, you know, not just have to stop at, OK, I got them through my my nurture which you mm-hmm. know, t- typically when we're thinking about how much work we have on our plates, we tend to think much more of like brand new prospect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think when, once you've aligned the teams and assigned own like ownership, or maybe it's even like the mops team is like owning it as part of, or, you know, a mops person on a revenue ops team, um, they, you still want to, have like kind of your key stakeholders. And and the reason why we want to do that is, is kind of like our, our main tip, our third tip, which is around defining the rules of engagement, because, uh, this would translate like just overall, like how the teams would like inform their strategy. So like how are teams actually going to engage with a prospect or customer and documenting that and then also kind of like sticking to those rules because that'll make it easy for not creating conflicts in the future. So some examples of rules that you can like define is like context sales, you know, leads uh, only, you know, the they only get responded to directly from SDR sales when it comes to an actual follow-up, like a one-to-one follow-up. So none of that, like none of those messaging come from marketing. Marketing, yes, can still nurture them and nurture on behalf of like marketing, like sending them best practices or, you know, selling value points. But when it comes to like a one-on-one message that would come from um, sales. And this sounds so, so simple. You're like, well, yeah, no, you know, duh. But I've seen cases where they thought that was happening, but then their market automation platform was sending a one-to-one email from someone thinking that like, oh, sales isn't reaching out fast enough. So we put this email in and, um, or maybe they have an automated welcome email that no one knew about. And it's still kind of confusing because like it's reach, it's also then promoting signing up to, to contact sales when they just did, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think having that rule of engagement is like an example. And then other ones are just, uh, kind of overall rules, like setting up communication limits. You could definitely do this on the market automation platform side, but you can also do it, um, you know, some governance on your other platforms around like how many sequences you can be at one time. Um, defining like maybe SDRs or sales reps can't send any batch or blast emails from a sales engagement platform. Like it only can be like one-to-one. So not having any automated like sequences or anything like that, where everything just goes on its own. There's no manual intervention. There's no someone kicking it off. And I actually, we suggest this a lot because, um, it just, it it just kind of defeats the purpose of having a sales engagement platform. You might as well just send all those emails directly from your market automation platform because there's no customization. There's no insight into who you're actually emailing. There's there's nothing. So yeah. why do that from from those tools? Um, and then a few other ones are you know sale SDRs and sales can only contact prospects who are op, opted in or meet opt in language. Duh, you know, but just 
making things really clear there because sometimes that happens and they don't even include opt-in language. So that could be this is definitely something to look into. Yeah. And then maybe marketing also owns the nurturing of a prospect with um, content only, like from marketing. So anything that comes from marketing comes from the brand. Anything that comes from sales or a product team or a CS team comes from an actual person. And that also seems like very like no duh, you know, but no, that like make that really clear um, in your rules of engagement Um, because then that will define um, making sure that those messages like aren't conflicting with each other by default. Marketing is not going to send out like something that looks like it's coming from sales or promoting certain things a certain way. And so then the communication then becomes complementary instead of contradictory or competing with one another. And, and, and thinking about like where they're at in the journey of like, if you have a life cycle in place, if there's open opportunities, defining rules of does marketing message while there's an open opportunity, do they pause any sort of messaging while it's in an open opportunity? I think that the more aligned that a sales and marketing team can be of like, what is that message? Because marketing mm-hmm. can provide a lot of value in that space. And I feel like a lot of salespeople are like, don't touch my lead. Don't touch my opportunity. <laughs> but if you can come together and come up with a rule together that both uh, both people have like some skin in the game, yeah. I think it can go a long way and you can help to supplement what the sales team is doing. But if you haven't established that and you haven't set up those rules of engagement, you can just build a lot of confusion and a lot of conflict. Totally. Totally. And I, I like what you're saying too. And one thing that we didn't have on here, but I was thinking about is also maybe building a plan for supporting these rules of engagement, giving all the teams visibility. Because yeah. one thing you can train your SDRs or sales team on is also like how to get insight into communications that are going out. Like there's, you know, uh, plugins within your CRM, like from HubSpot or Marketo, you, they can see a history of emails being sent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, marketing, hey, this is how you can see what's being sent out from your sales engagement platform or gain site, you know, to customers or whatnot. So I think the education piece for the other teams too, to get insight into what the other team is doing, I think can be really valuable. And then training those teams so that they know, you know, so they, I think knowledge is helpful, especially for uh, people who are trying to communicate in the best way to a prospect or customer. It's like, okay, well, what else is going out to them, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but it also eases the, the like you said, um, sometimes sales can be like, don't email an MQL, <laughs> you know? It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like... <laughs> We want to like run campaigns against them. Like we need to, we want to nurture these folks and stuff like that. And so being really clear of like the type of email that marketing is sending out and then maybe where they can see, uh, get visibility into that, I think could ease the, the minds of that team. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely would agree with that. Um, so, so if you have this rules of engagement, you know, what are you, what are you doing to enforce it or, or make sure that, you know, people are actually aware that this thing even exists. (laughs) Yeah. So this is why I feel like it needs like kind of a team around it. But if you're leading it, I think the first thing is now that you've defined your rules of engagement, 
create a plan for how you're going to maybe make updates to what's existing to match those rules of engagement and work as that small working group to kind of slowly put in those changes. Um, At the same time, you then want to document your rules of engagement and then also maintain documentation. So this includes like tools, teams, streams of communication that are in place. um, And we want to make sure it's something that can be easily updated but is also like visible. Um, So there's different ways you could probably go about doing this in the best way. Um, But, you know, like you said, something visual is really helpful, like, uh, you know, using tools like Whimsical or something like that, where you can actually embed images and different streams and, and things is really useful. But think about your audience too. Maybe for people on the CRM side, maybe they don't see all those journeys. Maybe that's something that marketing and the different teams on the platform see. But maybe for them, it's like some type of calendar or something or Mm -hmm. just showing them where they can see communications going out and then having just a, a list of uh, what the rules of engagement are. So what's pertaining to their role? Like, so only give people the, the information that's really going to be useful to them. So you might have different documentation for different groups. Like, yes, we're going to maintain this air traffic control documentation, the streams and stuff for the operating teams who support it. But for the actual like end users, maybe they just have a quick, like short summary of like when and how to engage whatever audience that they are usually talking to and um, also and visibility into a calendar or types of um, communication that's also being sent to the prospect or customer and how they can see that. Because those are the two things that will help them really. Um, They don't need to know everything. Um, And then think about how you want to translate this for Uh, campaigns versus evergreen communications like campaigns do really well on a calendaring where evergreen can be like mapped out in your kind of streams and communication um and and like don't over architect it like think about like what's actually going to be the most useful and just prevent problems from happening because sometimes the rules that you put in place and the plans you put in place should be addressing the problems or, you know, being a good solution rather than like just documenting everything for documentation's sake. Um, (laughs) So what's going to be useful. And then moving forward, it's all about maintenance and iteration. So put in a request process for each team who's working on like these communication uh, tools uh, or different streams. And so everyone can approve and align on it. Um, this involves even adding a new communication line. So say you're like, oh, we're going to test out doing SMS or something. That's something that should be agreed upon. Like, do you even have opt-ins for that? Like, how are you planning to do that? Um, I've been getting like text messages from, uh, like cold text messages recently. And there's nothing worse to me, honestly. No, no. No, I have a hard <laughs> so, enough time yeah. enjoying that when I've actually opted into it. <laughs> right, right, right. So if like, you know, that type of request, like that could come up in like an SDR meeting. They're like, you know, the way that I'm going to try and get to my prospect is not calling them. I'm going to text them. It's like, we, people need to know about that. You know, like there's, it needs to not be some like rogue channel that, that gets put in place because there's a lot of 
like you said, there's also a lot of things that come with that around hurting your brand or the prospect and really like um, adding on a poor experience to that. And that could just totally erase all the goodness happening from other teams too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we, as we start to wrap up this conversation, um, what are some of the wins that we could expect to come out of having a well-established communication plan and rules of engagement around that? Yeah. So I think when I've been thinking about projects, it's like, we talked about the, what we're building a communication orchestration and then like how we do that. We've talked a lot of ways about how you can do that. Uh, which I know have been very high level, but honestly, it really depends on your organization. So if you do have more questions, you can reach out to us at CS, you know, at our website or, you know, message me or some, you know, Xander on the team and we can answer some of those directed questions. But when it, the third thing that we always want to think about is like outcomes and like, we call those wins as part of our growth framework. And, and so the wins that you can really, you know, try and, because you're going to need resources. You need to get people aligned. You need to evangelize. Like, why should we work on this together? Right. Um, and so really it's the improved customer experience. This is a customer experience. That's what we talked about. Um, you're going to have like less people unsubscribe. Like you said, like that doesn't seem like a big deal, but you know, it is like, that's the difference between communicating to someone versus not communicating to them <laughs> in, in some ways, because email is such a reliant channel. And then when you do have someone opted in, like that's precious, you know, you need, you, th that's what you should be focusing on, like how to yeah. really engage people who are opted in rather than pissing them off. And then also at the same time, pissing people who aren't opted in. <laughs> uh, and then better uh, email engagement and overall customer engagement, which is something that CMOs are always thinking about, like how can we improve our engagement overall? And, and then, and then really like the, the other two are very like, you can be measured anecdotally, but like happy customers and prospects because like they're bought into how you're communicating to them. They're well communicated to you. They don't feel in the dark at the same time. And then the last one, it's the competitive advantage. Like I talked about this could like win you more deals if you're doing this well versus your competitor. Yeah. Like I, like Charlie and I have said this on the podcast before. I think we talked about you, Xander. I think as a team, all of us have sometimes even made decisions on technology on behalf of our client, ourselves, and our personal lives just based on how good the communication was. <laughs> because, they, you know, if someone doesn't answer us or we're getting conflicting information, it's like it doesn't fill us with confidence. So we're going to like go with the company because sometimes it's splitting hairs between like what the product is doing. And so it's the one that you trust, the one that's communicating to you well, the one that's creating a good customer experience that sometimes can win the deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of this is, is I always think of like this outbound communication as like the breadth of an organization. It, it's like a living yeah. part of the organization, right? You go to the website, you go to the website of a, of a company, you, you know, see the product, you see the product of the company. But when you're getting emailed, when you're getting messaged on LinkedIn, when you've got all of these messages coming at you, you almost mm -hmm. start to personify a brand. And totally. so, you know, if somebody's just constantly nagging you or sending you <laughs> conflicting messaging, you lose trust in that person and, and you mm -hmm. feel like you're not being respected. And so, you know, this this 
this importance is showing respect to your end users and you know they they may not i think that we maybe appreciate really good marketing more than uh you know a non-marketer buyer but yeah. they will definitely feel the negative side of it so yeah totally i forgot my last tip but if you there are chances to do so consolidate the reliance on an on one channel alone so if you can take things like instead of doing batch and blast emails, figure out how you can send like newsletters that are amazing. That's even better, I think, for a prospect and customer. If you can move a bunch of communications to a login page that a customer needs to find out about, especially for your active customers, put it there. If you can do more in-app messaging rather than sending out a bunch of email and it's targeted and to the people that really need that message, do that. Figure out ways to be less reliant on an overused channel, but then also that focus means it's probably being delivered to the right people instead of just like batching and blessing everyone that you think should be getting that message. Yeah. So just want to lead with that too. Love that. Fantastic. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for uh, joining to talk about this today. Uh, for all of our listeners who have made it this far, just, you know, once again, if you are trying to tackle this problem around, uh, communication, uh, orchestration. Some of our tips today, first of all, start with documenting what you currently have. This is where you're going to be able to really highlight the pain points and really escalate that to your leadership team to make this an important project to focus on this year. Um, after you've documented it and, and gotten that executive buy-in, align with your teams and assign ownership to all of these tools and make sure that you get it all collected into a single space. Um, after you've been able to see this as a collective team, work on building those rules of engagement. So that way you know exactly what team is responsible for what type of communication and when. And then finally, what you're going to want to do is decide on how that how those rules of engagement are uh, brought out to the rest of the team and enabled for the rest of the, of the team, uh, whether that is on calendars or uh, simply documenting what a standard flow would look like for a brand new prospect. Uh, make sure that you that you give that transparency to the people who are communicating directly with your customers because they're going to have more buy in on those rules of engagement that you established. Um, you do that and you're going to have a ton of wins this year, building out the best customer experience that you can for your buyers and customers. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Forward Thinking Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a review. It definitely helps us get this message in front of more people. Thank you very much and have a great day.